Voyage. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, Robert Lamb and Jack Austin here from Seven Lamb Productions to introduce the newest episode of Fever Dreams, a pulp collection. And that episode is called what, Jack? It's called The Exterminator. It's about Marty Plopkin, a mild-mannered Milwaukee exterminator who becomes unhinged and goes on a revenge spree after his daughter's murdered using all the tools of his trade as a pest exterminator. It's a really wild, fun, and sort of darkly funny story it's kind of like an 80s acid trip vigilante movie i think you guys are really gonna dig it yeah so definitely check it out and make sure to go to feverdreamspodcast.com to see all the other episodes in case you missed any enjoy see ya most breeds of rats can fit into a hole as small as a dime they have collapsible rib cages if there's a rat infestation and i get called to exterminate them the first thing I do is eliminate entry points. People think they can block them up with caulk or wood. Rattle gnaw through that like it's nothing. You think your home is safe from rats? It isn't. There's always a way in. You just gotta hope they don't choose you. That they don't bring their infestation to your house. If they do, you won't be able to stop them on your own. You'll have to call me, and I'll kill them all. When I think back on that day, I see a fool, living in the clouds, thinking no rats could get to me or mine. Our Debbie had just graduated from college. Next week, we're going to that spot in Harbor View for breakfast. My treat. Burning all your graduation money already. I got a job. Juices for everyone. On me. Big money coming through. Fifteen fifty an hour. I've put my down payment on a convertible already. <laughs> Where, sweetheart? Sporting World. I'm an assistant manager. They said if I show my diploma, I'm good to go. 30000 a year. Well, it's better than a kick in the pants. At least you can pay your own student loans. First thing. Who needs fun, anyway? <laughs> when do you start? Tonight. What hours? Second shift, 6 to 11. Is your phone charged? Is there good lighting next to the store? How far away do you have to park? <gasps> Can someone walk you to your car? Okay, my brain hurts now. She'll be fine. There's a security guy. Just one? I'm not working in the Ukraine, Mom. <laughs> it's downtown Milwaukee. A lot of bad things still happen in downtown Milwaukee. You're not immune to them. I'm buying you a taser. You're putting it in your purse. Your mother watches way too many reality cop shows. Crime sells. 
That's why every news show wants us to think we're living in a dystopian society where murderers are standing outside the door sharpening their knives 24-7. Just take common sense precautions. Ask a coworker to walk you to your car. You'll be fine. We were roused that night near midnight, sleeping without a care in the world, secure that our daughter was safe by the heavy knock of the cops at our door. Walked past the exterminator van, parked in the driveway, to knock on the front door. I've told dozens of parents their children were dead in 15 odd years working as a Milwaukee detective. It was just hard. Always was. Always would be. Sir, I'm for instance Detective Rudolph Kaminsky with the Milwaukee Police Department. What's going on? I must regretfully inform you that your daughter was shot and killed at her place of work during an armed robbery at approximately 10 p.m. this evening. Debbie? I swore it was a dream. I was still in bed, snoring, and this was a nightmare I'd wake up from. Sweaty, scared, but okay. I'd shake it off, walk over to Debbie's room, and find her sleeping in her bed, having come home from her shift. It was a nightmare. The problem was it was real. Detective Kaminsky explained that Debbie had been shot in the back three times. Two of the bullets had gone into her lungs. She'd likely choked to death on her own blood. Detective Kaminsky said they had a good hunch on who was behind the robbery. A man named Fleetwood. They suspected he operated a stick-up crew. Their M.O. was to kill everyone. Kaminsky said most robbery crews just wanted the money and to split with as little fuss as possible. Not these men. They would go out of their way to search out anyone in the building. No witnesses could ID him. But Kaminsky had an informant, someone from the neighborhood, who could place him at the scene. They were arrested. Seemed like maybe we'd get justice. Months and months went by to the court date. Then, once the trial was over, Lady Justice promptly took a shit on us. Rumored to be the leader of a robbery crew, Jackson Fleetwood and his two reputed associates defeated Milwaukee District Attorney Gil Carson again in court today. Fleetwood was represented by well-known Milwaukee defense attorney Terry Klein. In court, Klein thoroughly questioned the character of the city's key witness, who also has a criminal record, while highlighting Fleetwood's military service. The jury agreed and returned a verdict of not guilty. Yeah, he was ex-military, all right. Kaminsky had told me Fleetwood suffered a head injury while serving in Afghanistan. The head trauma caused a brain bleed. He'd been strange ever since. That's when he came back to the States and they started the stick-up crew. They showed a shot of Fleetwood in court, smirking. I'd seen that look before, on the kids on the playground, who'd throw me off the jungle gym, call me Jew Boy, and kick my ass up and down the asphalt. I'd seen it on my father, who'd call me a coward for not fighting back. Luann sat next to me, jaw clenched. Sometimes, you don't need cops. What are you saying? You kill things for a living. These men are not people. They're things. The lawyer, too. 
I looked deep into my wife's eyes. This was no joke, no moment of fantasy. She meant it. I kissed her. We do this. We do it together. I don't care if we die. I don't care if we go to prison. Debbie is worth more than a bullshit trial and everyone shrugging and going home. That's how it started. I called Klein's office. Said my daughter got caught with cocaine at a traffic stop. Said I was ready to cash out my 401k to defend her in court. Catnip to a guy like him. I took his last appointment of the day on a Friday, when his offices would be quieter. We met in his office. There was a picture of him and the governor laughing together on the desk. Laughing the way you might at a dirty joke. He wore a tailored suit. He'd missed a spot shaven. The room smelled a little men's cologne and sin mixing together somehow. He was pasty. I imagined him rotting from the inside. My secretary tells me your daughter Debbie was arrested on drug charges. Yeah, stopped her. Bad tail light. I'll need you to walk me through every detail of that stop. If we can prove an improper search, that's our way out. I'll need to talk to your daughter as well, of course. That won't be possible. Oh, can I ask why? There are new spray exterminators used for insects that are organic, child, and pet safe. The spray tube I'd hidden in my sleeve, connected to a small canister strapped to my back, was not one of those. My pest spray would paralyze and kill pests. With the right adjustments to the combination of chemicals, it could do the same to a human being. Klein saw the spray tube extend from my sleeve. What the fuck is that? Where do I find Fleetwood? I... Who are you? Fleetwood. We never meet directly outside of court. I go through the professor. Eddie Elder, that's his guy. Where do I find him? I, I don't know. I no longer had to imagine him rotten from the inside. <laughs> Next spray kills you. River West. There's a bar there. Unicorn out front. Near 6th Street. You can find him there. Thank you. First spray already killed you. Just takes a beat. Listen to me, goddammit. I have a quarter million. It's here! Stop talking. You're dead already. As I moved to leave, I noticed some of the spray had gotten on Mr. Klein's law degree, framed on the wall behind him. It was eaten away at it. Klein stopped screaming. Eventually. I got the call. No one was too upset that Terry Klein had gotten himself killed. We were surprised it hadn't happened earlier. Method was the thing. Chemical spray. Who does that? I couldn't think of a single murder where someone was killed by chemical spray. Not some household stuff. Heavy duty shit. Klein looked like a piece of fruit that had sat in the sun for about two years. He was a bloody husk. Didn't take a genius to connect the dots there. I mean, Klein had just helped Fleetwood and his crew skate on the Sporting World robbery homicide. One of the victim's fathers was a, an exterminator by trade. I didn't think he had the balls by the looks of him. But I'd been wrong about that sort of thing before. Question was what I wanted to do about it. If you'd ask me in a dark room, the answer would be not much. That wouldn't fly. This is my job. I pretty much knew it was Marty Plockett right then and there. Now, I had to prove it. Well? 
Klein is gone. Good. Is it? Mari, if it wasn't for the Terry Kleins of the world, we wouldn't have to do any of this. He told me where to find one of them. One of Fleetwood's guys. After you do that, he'll come for you. I know. We'll just have to kill him first. She held my hand. Steady. I might have used the spray, but she was the stone-cold killer between the two of us. After what I'd done to Terry, it seemed wise not to expose me too much publicly. It seemed unlikely any of Fleetwood's crew would know what Luann looked like. Even had they looked up her photos on social media, they wouldn't have recognized her this night. Heels, a dress I didn't even know she had, her hair down around her shoulders, I barely recognized her. I waited in the car. Obviously, we hadn't taken the extermination van. Were they in there? Yes. Are you sure? Fleetwood plays the blues, Marty. He had a guitar. How can he do that? I idly wondered what went through Fleetwood's mind as he strummed his guitar. Did he have a soul? Or could he just approximate one when it suited him? Eddie Elder was there. He was paying his tab when I left. He'll be going to his car soon. He'll see you first. Excuse me? Sorry. I... I blew a tire. Call Totra. I would, but my phone died. Can I borrow your phone for just a second? No. Please. 30 seconds. If you're nice about it, I'll put my number in there. 30 seconds. Traps can kill rats. You place the trap in an area the rats go to often. Then you lure that rat in, baiting them with the sort of food they love to eat. Thanks, handsome. All done. I'm in there, under candy. Call me sometime. Rat snap traps haven't changed much since they were invented by William C. Hooker of Abingdon, Illinois, who patented the spring-loaded mouse trap in 1894. The force of the bar breaks the rat's neck. Designing one human-sized took a great deal of work, trial and error, and time at the hardware store. I wasn't 100% certain it would work, but when Eddie Elder went to put his foot on the pedal, he tripped the trap and a spring-loaded bar swung down from the roof of the car, sandwiching his neck to his headrest. With such force, it broke his windpipe. I waited in the back for him to suffocate. He did. With a gloved hand, I retrieved his cell phone from his pocket and left. Luann had watched him put in his code before he let her borrow the phone. She gave me the code once we reunited, and I found a contact ID for one of the other men in the crew, El Dorado. His real name was Wendell Poole. I stifled a grim, absurd chuckle as I looked down at Eddie Elder's neck, trapped in an almost medieval-looking device. Bizarre sight brought to mind Marty Plotkin, of course. At this point, I knew we needed to question him. But sending some uniforms to his house suggested that he'd already split. Ironically, the exterminator van was still there. But nothing, and no one else, was. Forensics had failed to turn up any actionable evidence from the Klein scene. I doubted they would from the elder scene either. Marty was careful, likely had an ample supply of gloves, protective gear from his job. These murders were carefully planned. 
He was smart enough to leave home and not come back. Of course, we'd go for his credit card and cell phone records to try and track his movements. But if he'd been sharp enough to do all this, my gut was he'd already made the decision to shift the cash into the burners. Speaking to his coworkers was fruitless. They all said he was the nicest guy you could ever hope to meet. He was so nice, at this rate he'd kill Fleetwood and his entire crew before I ever saw him again. Continuing violence tonight in Milwaukee. Edward Elder, recently exonerated of robbery and murder charges, was found dead in his car in the River West neighborhood of Milwaukee. Police say the method by which Elder was killed was unusual and that he was specifically targeted. The attorney who represented Elder, Terry Klein, was also recently murdered under similarly unusual circumstances. A police spokesman denied that the crimes were connected, but online residents of the city have already christened the Milwaukee exterminator as the culprit. Christ, we're lucky they didn't show my picture. You're not the only exterminator in Milwaukee, Marty. By now, Fleetwood has to know. Him and Wendell Poole. Which means having Eddie's phone is almost completely useless. Give me the phone. Why? Because men always think in a straight line. This is why you can never find anything in the house. The remote could be under a napkin, and you'd need a century to discover it. Luann pulled up Eddie's social media apps on his phone. She went through his pictures and videos and recent text messages. She studied his phone like a Bible. And finally, she set it aside and looked at me. They were planning another robbery. Where? A car dealership. They spoke about it in code, but Eddie was dreaming of the car he wanted to take. Near Greenfield Park. You're amazing. You're okay, too. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we slept somewhere other than our bed. I can't. When? Debbie went away for an overnight visit to the college. We went to that motel after dinner. We could have just gone home. No one would have been there, but we couldn't wait. You think we'll ever be like that again? We kissed, the same way we had kissed at that motel years ago, hungry and desperate for each other. Then we stayed close for a quiet moment. No. Thinking about her hurts. Not thinking about her hurts even more. I know. For me too. Not able to find Marty Plotkin and bring him in, I went for the next best thing. Jackson Fleetwood. We arrested him on a bullshit parole violation. He'd be convicted of assault and done a little time before. Gave me a chance to talk to him. No new lawyer yet? No need. Yet. Fleetwood was tall, confident, very calm. It was almost relaxing to be with him. But it was the kind of relaxation you might feel if a large bear got you in its paws and you knew death was inevitable. There was an air of danger to him that drifted through the air like a cigarette smoke. I was certain he'd killed people, likely many people. I was equally certain he'd not given any of those people a passing thought. At what point will you try to manipulate me into telling you something? I won't. You're too smart for me. May I leave then? You care that Eddie's dead? He'd been with you a while, right? Long as I've been after you. Ten years? Sixteen. We used to rob the other kids at recess. You want to try and charge me on that, too? Don't you want to know who did it? I already do. 
And so do you. He's kind of impressive, isn't he? Another way to think about it is that Klein and Eddie were kind of dumb. I suppose that answers my earlier question. What will you do if you find him? Arrest him. Are you sure? If I don't, it might as well be you. We'll have to see about that. Luann and I waited by the car dealership all day. We figured they'd hit it at night. We wanted time to plan for all the contingencies. The dealership closed at 7. Sunset was at 6.32 p.m. We watched the last customer drive off the lot at 6.47 p.m. An old black van with the windows blacked out from the inside and no license plate rolled into the lot at 6.54 p.m. Okay, sweetheart. Marty, be careful. I think we're a little past that. Well then, just don't get yourself killed. I'll try. I picked up the pace. They were moving fast. Wendell Poole blew the glass door out with a shotgun blast. He fired a second time at a car saleswoman who fled. Fleetwood calmly walked behind him, but he was so damn tall he could walk as fast as I could run. The saleswoman flustered, got turned around in her own building. Wendell had the shotgun on her as I crept up behind him. Show us where the keys are, or I'll show you what the inside of your chest looks like. As a terrified saleswoman gestured to the locked cabinet, I'd hefted up the gas canister I brought with me. Burning is a pest management tool for farmers. They'll sometimes burn their fields after harvesting to kill off pests before the next crop year. I hadn't smoked a cigarette since I was in junior high trying to impress a girl. Never much cared for it. Tonight, though, as I lit and took one drag on a cigarette, I had to admit, it scratched an itch I didn't know I had. I let the lit cigarette tumble out of my mouth into the pool of gasoline at my feet. Fleetwood and Wendell turned to see flames forming a wall behind them. They fled, how we knew they would, to the exit. The saleswoman had a three-foot lead on them. All three of them came out the other side. That was the problem. See, Luann was waiting to run the bastards over. Maybe reverse back and grind them down a few times after. But she wasn't going to mow down some poor saleswoman. And they came out too close together. I was running around the far side and by the time I made the corner... No! Wendell shot out our windshield, but thankfully missed killing Luann. Problem was, now Wendell had the shotgun on her. And Fleetwood stepped out by the driver's window with a pistol. Wendell got in the passenger seat and Fleetwood got in the back. As I approached... I was just in time to hear Luann say, Marty, I'm sorry. At gunpoint, they made her drive off, leaving me to the burning car dealership. They'd already killed my daughter. Now they'd taken the only other woman in my life. They were out of sight in 30 seconds. It was just me and the saleswoman, who was hiding behind a little green sedan. I walked over to her and asked if I could have the keys to the cheapest car in the lot. I thought that somehow made stealing one of the cars better. She located a lockbox outside where they kept the keys for cars they were really trying to unload and gave me the keys without asking any questions. I took the green shit heap and clunked off the lot. I decided to hope Luann was alive. They could kill her, sure, but they had to know I'd come for her, which would give them an easy way to kill me. I anticipated the call. Luann had my burner number. It came later that night. 
Starlight, midnight. 12.01. I'm cleaning her blood off the floor. Not too late for the local gun store. They closed at 10. I bought a bulletproof vest and a little slim subcompact handgun, good for concealed carry. The clerk told me the vest could handle anything but a heavy-duty machine gun. Wendell hadn't need to worry. I'd be there long before 12.01. Much of the day had been spent learning everything I could about Marty Plotkin. He was a Russian Jew, married young, had never, as far as I could tell, done anything wrong. Literally. 750 credit score, not one parking ticket. Cops had been to his house once before, several years ago, on a mistaken address. I spoke to those cops. He made them coffee, gave them uh, some muffins to go. Guy was a pussycat. But even pussycats got claws. With no one at his house, and no family members or work associates having any clue where he was, best I could do was monitor the scanner. When a call went out for gunshots at the dealership near Greenfield Park, I beat the uniforms there. He interviewed a woman, very distressed saleswoman, who insisted he and his wife had saved her life. From her, I got what car he was driving, and which way he went. Fleetwood had a hangout in the direction Marty drove off in, over in West Milwaukee, the starlight. I watched young women walk into the club, wanting to take a knife and plunge it into my heart. Every girl I saw was my Debbie, walking into the lion's den. There would be no burning this place down. I needed something more surgical. Rodenticides are pesticides used to kill mice and rats. You can mix them in with bait rats like. Molasses, for instance. I needed some sugar. I stopped a young lady who practically ran from me and gave her $200 in cash to go inside, chat up Wendell, and lure him outside to me. Outside the starlight, I wouldn't have seen him until I noticed a grown man talking very sternly to a girl who was probably sneaking in with a fake ID. It was Marty Plotkin. He got back in his car. Green compact the saleswoman had told me he'd taken once the girl left. Could have arrested him right there. But instead, I felt myself calmly walk over, lean down, and do this. So, you guys finally caught me. Took longer than I expected. Fleetwood in there. It was implied in my invitation. Who else? Wendell Poole. You already took care of Klein and Elder. Your words. Now what? You've got three minutes. What am I gonna do in three minutes? I have no idea. Oh? Two minutes and 57 seconds. I got moving before he could change his mind. Locating my paid spy wasn't hard. She'd taken her assignment seriously, leaning on Wendell by the bar. He was happy to receive her. She caught my eye from across the room. I gestured to the back of the club where the bathrooms were. Smart girl. She got it. She headed that way, coaxing Wendell to follow her. He was only too happy to. When they reached the bathrooms, she opened the door to the ladies' room, and I shoved him through the door. With the door locked, it was just me, Wendell, and a toilet. 
You know rats will sometimes swim up a toilet? You pour bleach into the bowl and close the lid. The rat dies of asphyxiation. Got some tricky shit up your sleeve? Nah, I just want to beat you to death with a toilet bowl lid and watch your blood swirl down the drain. Which one of yours did we... My daughter. Lose track? Honestly? Yeah. How many you think, if you had to guess? More than 20, less than 50. We used to operate out of Philly. Get run out of town? Just ran out of places worth stealing from. Ever think about any of them? One. Really? He didn't die. I shot him six times. He just wouldn't die. Didn't beg, didn't cry, just stared at me. Was still staring when we left. I know he's gotta be dead, but sometimes I think he's still alive. I mean, I, I see him whenever I sleep, in closets, you know, under beds, anywhere dark. Just staring. What did he die for? Some banks. Money? I assume you have a gun. I do. There's a cop outside. He let me in to kill you. No shit. <sighs> if we shoot this place up, even if you hit me first, everyone will run out of here, and he'll run in, and you got 25 pounds and three inches on me. I like your odds better in a fist fight. So do I. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> He was bigger and stronger, but tonight I was meaner, and the meaner guy wins. I was the rat tonight, and when we were face to face, I bit his nose and damn near gnawed through it. It threw him off, and I threw him to the ground. I got his head between the bowl and the toilet lid and did what I promised him. When it was done, I got up, exited the bathroom, and found the girl who had helped me. She was afraid of me now. Luann had to be here somewhere. I asked the frightened girl if the club had a basement. She said yes, I headed there. <laughs> Two bullets hit my vest the second I stepped into the basement. I had withdrawn my gun but dropped it when I hit the floor. Fleetwood stood above me and kicked my gun away. Luann was behind him, bound and gagged on a rotting couch. You don't belong here. He took a step closer, as I moaned in pain. My daughter didn't deserve what you did to her. How many rats have you killed? Hundreds. I studied brain stuff after what happened to me. You know rats are ticklish? Like people. They put a wire into their brains and tickled them. They would react even when they anticipated being tickled. Like little kids do. How many people have you killed? Dozens. I think it's worse you killed the rats than I killed the people. Fleetwood suddenly stumbled forward. Luann was bound and she was gagged, but she'd managed to dive off the couch and into Fleetwood. It didn't knock him down, but it distracted him. Just long enough for me to roll to the side and retrieve my slim subcompact. The two shots hit under his chin and went out the back of his skull. Damnedest thing was, he didn't die. He just stared at me, like Wendell's ghoul, longer than seemed possible, 
until finally the light faded from his eyes. I freed Luann and we went outside. Did he hurt you? He put on a blues record and just sat with me. He didn't say a word. Somehow that bothered me most of all. We reached the street where Kaminsky was waiting. I guess the basement must have been insulated enough from the top floor to muffle the sound because the club seemed to be humming along like nothing happened. I had to assume a young lady would get a terrible surprise in the stall of the restroom soon enough. It's been five minutes. You called back up? Thirty seconds ago. Should we, uh, wait to get arrested? She helped. Why do you want to know? Makes me want to get remarried. Now what? Minneapolis has a huge mosquito problem. Uh, get on the interstate, 94, don't look back. I had to speak to the chief of police. I told him the truth, in private, when nothing was being recorded. He told me never to repeat it again. More death in Milwaukee tonight. Detectives made a point to assure the public these killings were part of a gang feud and not the work of the exterminator. Fever Dreams, a pulp collection, is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore, in association with Jack Austin and Robert Lamb of Seven Lamb Productions. This episode, The Exterminator, was produced by Christopher Leach, written and directed by Dan Benamore, based on the screenplay by William Curley, edited, sound designed, and mixed by Andres Coca, original music by Derlis Gonzalez, starring John Cahill as Marty Plotkin. Additional cast credits can be found in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Oh, Martha, look, the new season is coming. Get the snacks ready. Okay, okay. In a dangerous new world. While we can see the helicopters coming in, it looks like the teams are arriving for this season of Soul Survivor. Live action role players will fight. I'm Sequoia. Just go. I'm Myrna. Grand chicken in. We agreed to just call me Sky. Name's Dale. I'm Cole. To build. Okay, I need the feathers for my arrows. Maybe you need to grab some things. To outsmart. <gasps> oh my god! Wow. Well, look for us. Not again. To survive. No! Don't! No! no! Facing Fate, Black Knight. Available at facingfate.com and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts beginning June 14th. I don't know if I want to live anymore. I just want it to end. Dragon's production.